This podcast has been brought to you by Creative Podcasts. Hello, I'm Lainey Malkani and welcome to the Social History Hub podcast. In each episode, we'll explore the nature of social history and what it means to us today with an exciting lineup of artists, entrepreneurs, academics and writers. They'll share their stories and relive the moments and events that inspired them. Coming up, the story of a campaign to improve services for people from black and ethnic minority communities diagnosed with prostate cancer. Suresh Rambaran was at the forefront of that campaign. I was working at the Royal Marsden Hospital and I went to the chief nurse and I said, we need to change how we provide care for ethnic minorities. And he was very amenable and listened to me and said, well, why don't you form a, a committee within the hospital? So I started what is called a BME working party. And, you know, based on that committee, we made changes. We introduced diet, halal food, kosher food. We have a common faith room. Uh, information were provided in the different languages. More from Suresh in a moment. But first, what's his story? Well, Suresh first came to the UK from Trinidad and Tobago in the 1970s in the hope of pursuing his passion as an artist. But when he arrived, it was nursing that changed his life. His commitment to helping communities break down fears associated with cancer has not gone unnoticed and he's been honoured many times. I'll let Suresh take up the story from here. In the Caribbean, they were recruiting nurses to, to come to England in the 50s and 60s. I came in 72, and um, it was an ambition to come and do nursing, but at the same time, I wanted to do art, uh, study art on the sideline. But it didn't turn out to be that way. It was difficult. I was um, have to spend all my time in nursing, and I began to enjoy nursing, so I gave up the art part of it. So I stuck to nursing. I think it's a good profession, um, caring for people. And then I went to and um, specialised in cancer care. And you came over in the 70s, as you said. Um, so what was that like when you first got here? Difficult. I mean, as you can imagine, you go in an environment where it's hot, we have spicy food, and to come here and see things in a different way. And I think people in this country was not culturally aware. I always remember being served beef, curried beef. And if one know people, cultural background or religion, that is a no-no. Uh, and, and I guess that was one of the reasons in later years I decided to champion the change in service provision for black and ethnic minority communities to make it more culturally appropriate and sensitive. So I, I trained in Lancashire and Rochdale and um, I, I came along to London and I, I got a job at the can major cancer hospital in Europe, the Royal Marsden Hospital. And there I, I, I did my uh, cancer training, or it's called oncology. Uh, where I specialize in cancer, and I, I, I got, got into it there. And why did you stay? Well, I don't want to say it's job satisfaction. It's not job satisfaction to see someone dying or very ill, but the, the fact that I was able to provide some comfort to them gave me a, a motivation to do this work. But you're talking about some quite groundbreaking research outreach work looking at black and ethnic minority communities and cancer 
What was the what kick started that? I, I guess, as I say, when my experience uh, to come here in this country and as a nurse, uh, a different environment, and the care I felt at offer to black and ethnic minorities, we need to improve it and make it better and more culturally appropriate. So did you yourself go to cancer organisations and say, look, this provision is underserved, we need to do something about it? Or was there already a programme in place and then you became part of that programme? Well, what happened, I was working at the Royal Marsden Hospital and I went to the chief nurse and I said, um, we need to change um, how we provide care for ethnic minorities. And he was very uh, amenable and listened to me and said, well, why don't you form a, a committee within the hospital? So I, within the hospital, I, I started what is called a, a BME working party where I um, got people from various departments to sit on the committee. And, you know, based on that committee, we made changes. We introduced diet, halal food, kosher food, food that is more ethnically orientated. We have a common faith room. Uh, information were provided in the different la- languages. There were other people in other parts of the country who were doing other things as well. But I think that was a major change in that aspect. And the lack of awareness, I started working with community groups, and uh, there was an organization started called Cancer Black Care, which I was the first employee, and I got involved, and that is providing support and information to men affected by cancer. And specifically, you work in prostate cancer. Why is that? Well... I, 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 general, I did general cancer. I work for breast cancer care. I, I, I work as a cancer information specialist. But the last 12 years, I came into prostate cancer because among the black population, there's a high incident in Caribbean black men of prostate cancer. And um, I, I, I got this job, so I felt um, more focused in doing some of that um, awareness among the community and you know there's a connection when you come back from the same background to help raise awareness I, they understand me i understand them and that sometimes people don't seem to understand if you don't have that connection you wouldn't get the message across strongly as perhaps i do and do people respond to you well because it is such a difficult and sensitive subject isn't it well, among our communities, you know, it's very, people see cancer as a taboo subject. Prostate cancer, it's about manliness, and men in general, and sadly to say, our black men do not like some of the investigations that the doctor do, and it, um, we need to change their mindset. And, you know, I will go to see them, to talk to them, and you know, because I have connection with them, I will say, you know, we have to take responsibility for our health and um, burying in our head and the sun is not going to make us better and to go and get checked. And, and, you know, I've been championing because also our black people need to get checked earlier than the normal population. So that's another thing we've been championing. It must have been quite difficult conversations that you had with sufferers. Does anything spring to mind? Often we have that, you know, only today um, a friend phoned me um, and gave me her fat dad to phone me. I, I, I do often encourage people to ring the helpline, but they want to have a one-to-one with me. And I have this at home as well. People call me at home rather than call the helpline. 
And, you know, he was recently diagnosed with prostate cancer. He didn't understand. I have to try and explain to him, explain his treatment. And it's not always easy when you don't have all the medical information. But based on what he tells you, um, I, I give him the information. Do you feel that the work that you're doing is getting through? It's a successful campaign? I think we are. Um, not as fast as perhaps some people would like it to be, but then you need to put resources. And, you know, everything depends on resources. If you look at the incident of prostate cancer diagnosed in England, um, it's increased vastly. And that is due to two things, more awareness so people going and getting checked, and another one is aging population. Going to aging population, we have an aging black population, so we'll have more cancer among black men, but BME men as well, because of change of lifestyle, and it's um, important. And I think we're making some headway. But, you know, BME groups have difficulty in raising funds and doing things like that. And that's one of our setbacks. And big charities don't often, it's people like myself, perhaps, who is championing the cause, get them to change their mindset. I mean, one of the reasons we do this thing, we form a charity called Cancer Equality. And this is particularly, we do Cancer Awareness Month in July to raise cancer awareness against ethnic and minority communities because we need to get into that. There's a low um, uptake of screening, a low awareness among BME communities, and I feel strongly that we need to do more. Where do you get your drive from? I don't know. I, 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 maybe it's something in me. Um, uh, God gave me to to be caring. I don't know. I, I, I know there's a lot of people out there probably doing more things than me, but I feel passionate about it. I don't know why I get involved in so many things, um, sitting in several committees. It's not only cancer, as you're probably aware. I'm into music and Caribbean music and all of that. So I don't know why I get that. And I'm also involved in church. Um, now sitting in the Deanery Synod uh, for Sovak. So all these things I, I, I'm involved in, I don't know where I find the time to do that. But you have been honoured for all of this hard work that you've been put in, haven't you? Thank, yes. Um, firstly, the Trinidad High Commission gave me a award for my work among the diaspora. The Windrush Nurses Foundation gave me a award for being one of the nurses from the Caribbean who contributed to the NHS. And then following that, I got the Queen Golden Jubilee Medal for my work um, again in nursing. And all these awards are mainly for nursing, apart from the Trinidad High Commission, is for my general community involvement with Trinidadians and Tobagonians here in London. And how do you feel about that? Well, I feel very honoured. I mean, anyone gets such an award will feel very honoured and pleased. Um, I'm sometimes embarrassed because it's like bigging up myself to tell people, but um, it's very uh, honored to, to be recognized what you do. Um, so I do feel very pleased about it. And part of the, um, the, 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 the movement or part of the changes in terms of cancer care is documented hugely, isn't it? And how treatments have changed over the years and people are treated and, and medicine and science has been involved. Do you think that the, the inroads that people like yourself have been making in terms of being more inclusive of different communities and diversity, do you think that's been recognised or do you think it should be recognised more? It's 
being recognized to some extent, but I think it should be recognized more. I, you know, I speak to some black colleagues in the department and saying, you know, we, we, we still have a fight in our hands or to champion this cause because sometimes people think one cap fits all and that's not always the case. And we have to show them that, you know, a lot of charities would not um, do things in different languages and we have to provide the evidence of why it is necessary um, to do things in different languages so we can reach a wider audience. So do you think that what you've been championing over all these years is part of history now and the inroads that you've made can be championed by people in the future? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, I wouldn't say it's only me made it, it's others as well, but um, others will have to take up the mantle and take it forward. Um, we cannot continue forward. And you know, nowadays we have very young, articulate people who um, are in a position to, to help us, and we have more BME people in high position, and they will support us in what we're doing. So I, I hope that we'll take it forward. But we have a fight. We have to continue. You know, the government has recently been elected, a new government. That may have an impact because it sometimes it depends which government is in power, how much we, we, we divert funds to different communities and all of that. And finally, what's your message to people out there in terms of thinking about cancer and going to get checked? Well, firstly, uh, we're in a very fortunate position in the UK. Our health service may not be perfect, but it's a free health service. We don't have the same standard of treatment um, from where we came. Here, you're not wasting your doctor time if you have symptoms or if you read at a risk age of different prostate cancer, you should go and get checked. But we as men and as a community, we have to take responsibility for our health. What often happens, we do not take responsibility and the white middle class people who are more articulate tend to get the better care. And we as a people, or in general, we need to be more articulate and go forward and take responsibility for our health. Go and get checked. If you have symptoms, it's not wasting the doctor time. It's abnormal. Go and get checked. The only way we can tell what it is is by going and get checked. By delaying and burying our head in the sun, it doesn't help us. Suresh Rambaran, thank you very much indeed for doing this interview. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Suresh Rambaran there and if you want to find out more about Suresh why not check out the Your Stories page on the Social History Hub website. Just click on the drop down menu where you'll find other inspiring stories. And that's it for this 10 part series of the Social History Hub podcast. I hope you've enjoyed hearing the personal stories of those who have without even knowing it changed the way in which we live our lives. I'll be back in a few weeks, so watch this space for a special series on summer festivals and how they've become a cultural feast for everyone to enjoy. That's next time on the Social History Hub podcast. Join us if you can. You've been listening to the Social History Hub podcast. You can listen again to our podcast at socialhistoryhub.com or download each programme from our website, from our RSS feed or from iTunes. And if you have a story to tell, why not drop me an email? Lainey at socialhistoryhub.com. The Social History Hub podcast was brought to you by Creative Podcasts.